If you go back to the days of black and white TV, you'll remember that that was one of Channel 7's very early news themes. And one of our very early news readers in Melbourne is Mal Walden. Hello, Mal. You have become a living legend. Oh, Philip, thank you. Sir. And how good it is to hear you back on the radio. Well, thank you. And, you know, I didn't realise until tonight when I looked at your CV that you were actually born in the UK. I thought you were one of us. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was, I've been adopted. <laughs> I, I came out when I was, I came out when I was nine. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, so were, were you one of the ten pound poms then, Mel? Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, we actually paid our way. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Long ago, I, uh, we paid our way on the basis that if we didn't like it, we could go back. Under the ten pound pom scheme, uh, you you were committed to stay for a certain period of time. Right. What ship were you on? Do you recall? Yeah, I do. Uh, the Orontes. Oh yeah, P and O yes. ship. I know it well. Yes. The uh, yeah. Um, yes. That was a long time ago. And I, I guess you're a travelling steerage. Did you have brothers and sisters? <laughs> yeah, I had a sister, four years younger than me. Oh, okay. Uh, to me, it was just a great adventure, you know, getting on a boat and going around the world, starting a new life. Yeah. Um, it was, just, yeah, it was, it was a thrilling, thr- thrilling time for a nine-year-old. Do you, do you know what was the uh, the driving force behind your parents' decision? Was you know, dad on yeah, the run or something? Or. <laughs> <laughs> No, not quite that bad. Uh, oh. it was just a con- the conditions in Britain post-war were pretty unbearable, very difficult. Yeah. And uh, I think he, the, the family just thought, oh, well, there are more opportunities to uh, uh, be gained, say, Australia. I think they looked at Canada at one stage. Oh. But anyway, they, they settled for, for, for Australia and uh, uh, and Frankston. So I went straight down to Frankston. Uh-huh. And Fra- Frankston was a bit of a one-horse town in those days. Yes. Well, actually, two horses. One to pull the ice chests <laughs> and one to deliver the milk. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And, and so while you were at school, did you have any inkling you wanted to be in showbiz? Oh, no. No, not at all. had no idea what I wanted to be. Huh. My, first, my first job uh, while I was at school was working at Bow Repairs, uh, the tyre service petrol station in Frankston. So I was the uh, the pump jockey, putting petrol, oh. cleaning uh, windscreens, pouring water and oil and doing all that sort of yeah. stuff. Wow. So when when did the switch flick, as it were? What, yeah. what was it that finally got Mal into Well, it was radio before TV for you, wasn't it? Yeah, 3DB. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, actually, the, I won a secret sound competition on the country radio station. Uh, while I was at school, we, we were living in Warnable at the time in, mm. in the, the Western District. And I went in during the school lunch hour to pick up the cheque. It was £40, which was not a bad mm. sort of cash yeah. prize. Yeah. Nice. And the, the answer, it was a secret sound competition, and it was shaking water in a balloon. Ah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I went in with some of my schoolmates on the following day to pick up the cheque, and the manager showed me around the station. It was like a, like a, a defining moment, and I realised I wanted to get into radio. Wow. So that, was that, this at that, uh, 3YB, was it? Yeah, 3YB Warnville. Which yeah. I, the irony is I came back to Melbourne, took a course in broadcasting with Lee Murray. Uh, 18 months down the track, he got me a job. I applied for it successfully and asked him where it was, and it was 3YB Warnable, which I Amazing. where I won the won the cash prize and which paid for the course at Lee Murray's. Oh, is that what you spent the money on? Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Wow. How was, amazing! Was the same manager still there when you uh, took oh. the job? Yeah, no, same. They remembered me and everything. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? And how long did you stay down there? 
in the Western three District. Years, three years at um, 3YB Warnville. Yeah. And, you, you know, the 60s was a, a great decade to be in radio. Um, there were so many careers starting. You know, the Beatles, the Stones, mm. Dylan, the Beach Boys. Here in Australia, we had Billy Thorpe, the Easy Beats, uh, Normie Road, Bee Gees, uh, and, of course, News. And News was always first on radio until... July 69, when man landed on the moon and everyone stopped to watch Armstrong make his giant leap for mankind. I was more impressed with uh, President Nixon picking up the phone and talking to the astronauts Uh in real time. And I realized that through satellites and technology, television had caught up to the immediacy of radio. So if there was Mm. going to be a career in media or in news, it had to be in television. Yeah. And so what led you to 3DB? Well, I was three years at 3YB, then two years at 70X. I was just doing the rounds, getting experience, and then I joined 3DB in 66, I think it was, 66 to 69. Yeah. And good years at DB? Yeah, not bad. It was um, towards the end of 69, I was getting a bit tired of it, Um, and I was struggling with sore throats because of the camel cigarettes I was smoking. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I had my tonsils removed. Um, I uh, claimed on HBA, then double claimed on the Herald Medical Fund, made a profit of $350 and bought a one-way ticket to London on the, on the first star. Amazing. Yeah, fabulous. And, and, of course, from memory, Mel Walden, you covered Cyclone Tracy in 1974. Yeah, well, I came back from overseas uh, after spending a year, half the time in Israel. I was filing stories out of a kibbutz in Israel, Uh, a kibbutz kibbutz right next to the one that was recently raided by Hamas. And uh, I was filing stories for Gerald Lyons. When I came back, my good friend at 3DB, Ron Casey, had become uh, station manager of Channel 7. Mm. So on the basis of it's not what you know, it's who you know, I approached Casey for a job. And did you replace Brian Naylor originally? Not originally, no. There were three newsreaders at seven in those days. Naylor was number one. David Johnson was number two. Oh. And I was like the third string. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I wasn't born till 71, Mel, and you've just named the three newsreaders who were iconic in my youth. Uh, as I was growing up, it was you on seven, uh, Brian on nine, and uh, David on ten with uh, with Yana and then with Joe. And uh, yeah. and, and uh, in in my childhood, that was, that was a solid concept in my life and I remember yeah. getting terribly upset when uh, when you got flung from seven. Oh, that was on the 27th of <laughs> yeah. March 1987 what happened Mal? well the seven network was taken over by the Fairfax Sydney media group and they came down like the princes of darkness and they <laughs> sacked so many of the staff and cancelled so many of the programs uh. such as world of sport yeah. uh, and all these institutional programs yeah. um, uh, and uh, I was one of the victims. At, um, mm. But the, the biggest thing was that they, they dumped football, the uh, VFL football, three weeks before the season started. Oh. So that gives you an idea crazy. of the stupidity. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yes, so fair, Fairfax weren't exactly uh, great with a lot of business decisions mm. over the years, I think. But what a mistake uh, they make. I forget his name. I think he came from WA. I think his name was Glenn. The bloke who replaced you. Greg Pierce. Uh, Greg, Greg Pierce. He was, he was crucified. People just didn't take to him at all. 
We um, actually, Greg finished up uh, working for Channel 10, and I got to know him quite well. Uh-huh. And he was telling me the story about when he arrived in Melbourne and the, host- the, ho- the hostility that was uh, pervading him and everyone at Channel 7. He said, I caught a taxi from the airport and uh, threw my bags in the back, sat next to the driver, and he said, where to, mate? And I said, oh, Channel 7. And he said, uh, oh, you work there, do you, mate? He said, no, I start Monday. He said, what do you do? He said, I'm going to be reading the news. And he said, the car pulled over to the side of the road. And the driver said, well, you can get out of here because I'm certainly not going to drive you. Oh, (laughs) No, I'm not surprised. That's how all Melbourne reacted. But luckily, about that time, 10 picked you up, didn't they, Mal? Yeah. David Johnson, a former colleague and uh, a good friend, yeah. And uh, I, you know, we started, I had a little segment called Mal's Melbourne, which was... uh, uh, feel good stories, which was great. You know, I, I loved it. It was fantastic. But then, you know, three years down the track at 10, 10 went into receivership too. Yeah. So the television industry was in turmoil for quite some time. When, when you uh, took over, when you did that segment, Mel's Melbourne, you, you would have brought you out from behind the news desk and out and about again. Was it, was it good to be out and about with a roving camera? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I found it very satisfying, very creative. But uh, also, I was sitting at the desk introducing it, so I was like part mm. of the, pr- the, yeah. the presentation team. Yeah. Um, Mel, from memory, you must have spent about 37 years in front of a camera here. Is that right? Uh, 40, 43. Even yes. more, well, even more than that. Phil just yeah, forgot about I, six of I them. Started, I started in uh, 1970 when I came oh. back uh, from overseas yeah. and I approached Case and I said uh, he offered me a job as a booth announcer ah. and I said what about news and he said oh, that's a tough nut to crack mate ah. but at least you've got a foot in the door well that very first night June the 6th 1970 I was booth announcing and they came rushing up to me and said oh Mal uh, the, the late night newsreader has been taken ill ah. uh, would you be able to read the news and I said yeah, okay not realising that I'd be reading the news on Melbourne television and, for the next 42 years. And, and was that wow. late-night newsreader, was that still Jeff Raymond? No, no. It was a guy called Graham Purchase. Oh. Uh, Jeff Jeff had left at that stage, and Brian Naylor was the number one reader. David Johnson, number two. And as I said earlier, so uh, I was the third. I, I presume that most TV newsreaders were also qualified journos, but you weren't by that time, were you? No. Uh, well, yes, I was the first journo appointed as a newsreader. Huh. When, when, when Naylor left in 70, uh, 77 or 78 to go over to nine, um, Casey decided to promote me uh, as the senior newsreader. And to give me a little bit of credibility, he said that the, the, the promotion was um, the first journalist to be appointed a senior newsreader. Because up until that stage, newsreaders were... Game show hosts, mm. station presenters, yes. uh, radio broadcasters. But I was the first journalist, which then sort of became a trend, and I think everyone is now a journalist. Well, well this will surprise you. Have a guess. Who was reading the Saturday night late news on GDB Channel 9 right through 1959? Any ideas? You? you? Me, yes. Me. You're yeah. Does that surprise you? Yeah, that does surprise me, but nothing surprises me. Yeah. Uh, a, a low point for the industry, but never mind. <laughs> well, in those days, Mel, you had to be a jack of all trades. You know, do the Tarak show one week, IMT the next, and news reading the third. Now, what about the uh, the Channel 
010 days. They were a bit stormy at times. In fact, I think you wrote a book about your experiences there, and you were quite critical of Channel 10, weren't you? Well, not, uh, I was critical of... Uh, I've been critical of more. I was critical of Channel 7. Uh, I was critical of the way... Um, I'm just trying to think. I wasn't with Channel O when it was uh, Channel Ten when it was Channel O, um, but in my book, the memoir, uh, the newsman, I do cover the history of Channel Ten. I wasn't there, yeah. but I, I, I interviewed a lot of people that were. Uh-huh. And uh, Channel Ten, I have to say, Channel Ten is one of the most resilient networks of the lot. Mm. They've struggled. They were the third kid on the block. They were the youngest channel, mm. and uh, they they struggled many times, but always came out in the end. Uh, and it was very sad towards the end when uh, Lachlan Murdoch took over mm. and wiped $1 billion off the share price of Network 10 mm. in the three years he ran it. And that was the reason why I decided to opt out. Yeah, I, the, <clears throat> yeah. I often see uh, Dermot O'Brien, your former news editor, who's a, a QIte like myself. He's a good mate of mine. He's a good friend of mine. I'm, when I look back, you know, all the people I've, I've worked with, there are very few that I still remain in touch with. And one is yeah. David Johnson, yeah. and the other is Dermot O'Brien. And the third is Philip Brady, of course. Oh, of course. And now, Mel, let's talk to you not as a newsreader wearing your other hat as an author. Every time I go into my newsagent, there's a new <laughs> paperback out by Mel Walden. How many have you written so far? Uh, since my retirement, I've written 10 books, yes. um, including two children's books, which ah. I self-published and gave to my grandchildren. Ah. But the, the other eight are, are published by Brolga Publishing and distributed through uh, Simon & Schuster. And tell us, tell Simon about the, the subject matter of these books. Often they're about Aussie gangsters, aren't they? Well, one of them was Crazy Crims, and that was... <laughs> um, the Crazy Crims was an interesting one because it covered the, the whole uh, history of crime in Australia, yeah. including uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the notable criminals that I actually came in contact with. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think I've told you the story about Chopper Reed, haven't I? Tell us again. Well, back in 1977, when Naylor left to go to Nine, I started reading the news, and I received a letter from a prisoner in Pentridge who said... Uh, I watch your news every night, wondering whether you could do me a favour. My dad's having his 71st birthday, and I want to send a photo of him, uh, of me, to him. Yeah. But uh, I've mutilated my face, and I need some pictures of me before this happened. So I went to the file and found some pictures, got them processed, sent them to Pentridge, and he wrote back a couple of weeks later saying, Dear Mal, you're one of the few people in this world that's ever done me a favour. Uh, and if ever you need any favours, no matter when, no matter where, oh, you call ooh. me first. Oh, oh. So I'm very, I had this yeah. very strange relationship. Oh. Did, did that come in handy during contract negotiations? <laughs> <laughs> well, by that stage, everyone had heard about the letter, and everyone yeah. sort of gave me a wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mel, just rattle off some of the titles of the other paperbacks, if you will. Well, uh, Aussie Myths and Mysteries, which is uh, um, uh, a book of... Oh, how would you describe it? Just unique, um, strange, unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think. The, the crazy crims is what I mentioned. Aussie icons and legends. And the latest one was Homeland Heroes. Yes. Which uh, was one of the first ones I wrote. But it was it. Um, 
I presented it at the time when the unprecedented bushfires were sweeping Australia, mm. followed by COVID, and the publishers felt that that was a little bit negative, so they put that on on hold, and I uh, submitted a couple of the others. But just recently, they came to me and said, can you rejig your Homeland Heroes ah. and uh, in a more positive light? So um, I discovered that out of all the disasters that have struck Australia, uh, heroes were born. And mm. so we gave mm. it the title Homeland Heroes. Yes. And I can give you an example of one of them. Please. Like, yes. Uh, back in 1852, I think it was, uh, Australia's most catastrophic flood wiped out the town of Gundagai. Um, entire buildings were swept away, leaving those who survived clinging to trees and rooftops. Uh. But amid the disaster, two First Nation heroes, uh, a couple of guys by the name of Yari and Jackie Jackie, paddled their bark canoes through the raging floodwaters and rescued dozens of survivors. They were the true heroes um, that only recently have been acknowledged with a statue. Uh, mm. not far from where the dog sits on a tucker box. Okay. So uh, Homeland Heroes, uh, in the true sense, they were. And, and now where can we purchase these Brolga books? Well, you can purchase them from uh, Brolga, the publisher. Yeah. Um, they're on sale. The, 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 the reason why we, we publish just 1,500 uh, editions in each uh, publication mm. is that half of them go out to the state and municipal libraries. Oh, yeah. The other half get distributed to bookshops, and the percentage of that go to um, uh, small outlets like oh, post right. offices, yes. uh, BP service stations, etc. Mm -hmm. So many of them don't last. You know, they're, they're all gone. Um, in fact, when I spoke to Brolga just recently, he said, uh, we've got a few of your memoir, uh, The Newsman, and a few Homeland Heroes. Okay, ones, but the others, okay. And as I yeah, say, yeah, I buy mine from my post office. That's uh, that's where yeah. I pick up your books. Uh, wonderful talking to you tonight, as a as a radio announcer, as a TV newsreader, and as an author as well. Yeah, well, thank you. It, actually, the, the author part is really an extension of what I've always done, and that's tell stories. Yeah. Uh, the difference is, it's not on television. It's now uh, the written word. Well, long may it continue. Have you got any more in the uh, in the the pipeline? Yeah, I sent one off just recently, and it probably will be my last uh, in the history of uh, Australian aviators. Okay, oh, great. I, I'll enjoy that. And now, if, if Jennifer Kite decides to retire, would Mel Bolden make a comeback? No way. Okay. <laughs> no, no way. It's funny, you know, uh, you, you, you wonder whether you still remember. The other day, we had a plumber visit the house to do a little job. And he walked in and he said, uh, oh, Mel, Mel Walden. I said, yeah. He said, I watch your news every night. I said, no, you don't. I haven't read for, the te haven't read for 10 years. He said, oh, I thought you were on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's marvellous. What about, what about a return to radio? If either Phil or I got, uh, yes. got flung, would, yes. you, would you be interested in Remember When, Mel? <laughs> uh, no, I prefer to listen. Oh, All fair right. enough. That's good. Good one, Mel. Good answer. We're, we're pleased with that. Uh, could have just done ourselves out of a job. Uh, Mel, <laughs> it's lovely to chat to you. Uh, you are okay. certainly deserving of the title of uh, Living Legend. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much. Good night.